Hi, I'm Jason Aaron, director of the brand new Back to the Future documentary, Back in Time, and you are tuned in with Hydrate Level 4. Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4. I'm your host, Peter. And today, I have a special interview with Jason Aaron, the director of the documentary Back in Time. Jason joined me to talk about his film and also his love of Back to the Future, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, uh, great. Um, th- thank you again for, for joining me today. Uh, you are the uh, director of the upcoming Back in Time documentary uh, about the Back to the Future franchise. At the time of this recording, it's already been uh, in the works for the past couple years. But for listeners that aren't familiar with this, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the movie? Yeah, absolutely. Um, What we wanted to do was take a look at the fandom of Back to the Future and just how it's affected society as a whole. And uh, we've had, you know, the amazing opportunity to kind of interview everybody. So uh, we've had a lot of luck there, and it's been a lot of fun. That's great. Now, um, I read a little bit about uh, how it started, and it was supposed to be some footage for a bar mitzvah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was hired to... um, I was hired to shoot a bar mitzvah film for a uh, for somebody locally in town, and uh, a dad had written a script for his son. And part of the script essentially was that uh, you know the father could take his son back in time, and he rented a DeLorean time machine. Uh, not, he rented a DeLorean, stock DeLorean, did not look like a time machine at all, um, to to carry this out. And people were literally stopping their cars in the middle of the street and taking pictures of this DeLorean uh, the day that we were filming, and. I thought it was phenomenal. I, I said, you know, I've always loved Back to the Future myself, but I didn't realize how much everybody else liked it. You know, this is this is big. So, um, so from there, I said I should make a documentary about this, and uh, I'd kind of put it to bed for a little while. But uh, then a great friend, uh, Brett Culp, he made a documentary about Batman called Legends of the Night, and he and I had very similar filmmaking backgrounds and. When I saw that he was able to crowdfund his film, I said, you know what, maybe I can crowdfund mine, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I, I think of us, we've been uh, waiting for, like, new footage of, uh, of you know, the movie for, for some time. Because, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people at this point already, you know, saw the, the headline where Bob Zemeckis, you know, says th- there won't be uh, a remake or anything of that, you know, over his dead body, basically. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah, look, look, looking forward to this. I'm actually a, a self-proclaimed uh, uh, number one fan, you know, which I think a lot of people say. Uh, like every single day, my friends are constantly posting, uh, you know, pictures and things they're finding on Facebook on, on my timeline. I'm like, well, I've already seen this. You know, have you not seen or heard the title of my podcast? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I kind of go through the same thing myself at this point because I have the same thing where any one of my friends, if they see anything on social media about, about Back to the Future, they'll send it to me and it's like, do you not think I saw this already? You know, um, but it's fun. It's cool because, you know, my friends have gotten more into Back to the Future over the last couple of years because I've been working on this project. So, uh, you know, rising tide. Uh. 
with this being such a big year, like to me, I find it very interesting when these these websites are saying, "Oh, something you haven't no- noticed about Back to the Future in the last thirty years or whatever." Has there been something where that was clickbait that you clicked on it? Like, are, are you kidding me? How did you not know that when you first saw the movie? For for example, like the Lone Pine Mall. Like I saw that recently on an article saying, "Oh, you may not have caught this the first time." I'm like, "Really? Like, is that a thing?" Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of that, I think. Um, and listen, it, it on on the positive side, it sort of it speaks to you know just how big Back to the Future is that every news outlet wants to run with uh, with Back to the Future because of how big it is. So it, it's it's uh, kind of a beautiful thing. Absolutely, it is. Uh, it's it's heavy, uh, as I hear people people say. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you on a couple of other shows, you know, to kind of help prepare for this. And uh, what I've gathered, uh, you were born in '82. Yep. Yeah. So I'm '83, so we're about uh, roughly the same age. And I myself did not watch the first one in the theater for obvious reasons. Uh, so I saw two and three. But what what are some of your earliest memories of Back to the Future? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've come to realize is obviously. Um, you know, we asked everyone we interviewed that same question, uh, you know, did you see it in the theater? And then people would tell us where they saw it and, you know, how vividly they remember it. And obviously um, I don't have that memory, but um, it's kind of a good thing because in essence, Back to the Future has been a part of my life for my entire life. Um, I don't really remember Back to the Future not being a part of my life. And some of my earliest memories, I had a very good friend uh, in elementary school and we would record Back to the Future line by line uh, into a My First Sony recorder. <laughs> it was, uh, that red My First Sony, it had a you know a cassette player in it, and and you could um, and had a microphone hanging off, and we were able to do that. And I just remember listening back to those tapes, and he'd say a line, and then I'd say a line. So it was uh, that was I mean it was a great experience. Uh, and Back to the Future for me, it's interesting. I'm not. As much as I love movies, I don't like to rewatch movies. So there are very few movies that I've seen more than once. And Back to the Future is a movie I've seen a hundred times. So it's very unique. Uh, and I don't necessarily know why, but it's definitely very unique for me in terms of top top ten, top five. I guess at this point, top one. Right. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Uh, recently, I was able to scratch a couple things off my bucket list. Uh, the family, we went to California, and my son and I, we got to go visit the McFly residence. Um, ah. And then we also went to uh, La Puente Hills, and you know, uh, we took pictures uh, over at the mall. So I was able to scratch that off my list. What are, you know, for this, you know, the research and uh, the production of your movie, is there something that you still did not get a chance to do that is still on your list? Well, ironically, um, all the things you mentioned, I haven't done yet. Um, Oh. So I have not been... The only filming location... Well, there are two. Um, One of them uh, that I went to is the Gamble House. And uh, that's actually the only off-studio filming location that I've been to. I had a great opportunity to go there twice, actually, once to film and once just to see it. Uh, We've done a lot. I mean, I've been on the roof of the clock tower twice. (laughs) Right. I've seen the pictures. Yeah, you can't really, I guess you can't really top that one. Um, But other than that, I'm trying to think. uh, I want a zip line off the clock tower. That would be a lot of fun, right down to the (laughs) Cadebo now that's there. Um, That we haven't done. I mean, we've been, I've been in a screen used DeLorean, you know. Hoverboarded. 
I ha- well, yeah, it's right. I hoverboarded. Uh, wow. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there's anything left. I, I, you know, the truth is I really would. Uh, it's funny that you said that you've seen the locations. I, I would like to see, I would like to go to some of the other locations. Uh, Marty's house would be one of them. Um, the interior of Doc's lab, which was not where the exterior was. So, uh, you know, go to the Burger King and uh, that would be fun. I, I'd like to meet Tom Wilson. Right. I haven't met Tom Wilson. Yeah, I um I, I heard the part in one of the um, appearances you made that uh, your I, I think it was your executive producer said he couldn't sleep without knowing that you know he at least tried reaching out to Thomas F. Wilson and you guys got to know. Yeah, that was uh, that was my producer actually, Lee Leshin. He um he was you know he came onto the project a year about a year after eight months after we started, and um you know he he said exactly that. He said uh, you know I, I just you know, I, I got to know. And so we did. We we asked, uh, we sent a, a letter to him. We were, Stephen Clark, who runs BackToTheFuture.com, is a, is a very good personal friend of, of, uh, of Biff. <laughs> and, um, right. Yeah. We sent an email to him and it was just a no, sadly. Just a plain no? Or was there like a. It was, you know, it's funny. We wrote a very long email to him. It was a very long, heartfelt, but humorous email, and we got back a no thanks within, you know, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he he was waiting for that apparently, or that was auto reply. <laughs> yeah, so, something like that. Oh, back to future request. Nope. Right. While doing research and interviews, what, what surprised you the most? Um, I know there's a lot of things that already been put out from, uh, you know, like the secrets of the Back to the Future in the in the you know 25th anniversary Blu-ray, but was there any new information that you actually learned that you were very surprised about? Um, well, I, I think the biggest thing is not something that was in the film. I, I think it's the fandom itself. You know, we launched a Kickstarter and we raised $45,000 back in 2013, and that gave us an idea that, that people around the world wanted to see this film. But as time has gone on and uh, the film's gotten closer to release and it's gained more popularity... But we've been able to, I mean, how big Back to the Future is. You know, I'm doing this podcast with you. Uh, I've done mm-hmm. podcasts, and I did a, uh, I had a call this morning with Argentina. I did a podcast Saturday night in Russia. I, I have literally done podcasts in South Korea, Brazil, uh, London multiple times, in every corner of the world. Um, I think Africa is the only content we haven't been on. I've had radio calls in Australia. Literally Africa is the only content, the continent, so... If anyone's listening from Africa, you know, um, but it's crazy. It is. And I remember, uh, again, I keep pulling these from some of your previous appearances. You mentioned, uh, you know, a little bit about the process about getting uh, subtitles, you know, for some of these other countries. And I remember when I was younger, when the DVD set first came out, uh, and I I think that the French version had Marty McFly as Pierre Cardin instead of yes. uh, Calvin Klein. Yeah. What, what were some of the uh, other names in some of the other countries? Do you recall? I don't know. I'm not really sure. I know there. There's another funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's another funny like uh, thing from the French version uh, when Marty has a line. He says, uh, "Dad, Dad, Daddy O." I think the French translation is that of that is like "poop, poop, poop, papa." So it's like it's very funny. <laughs> So uh, that's something that Joe Walzer uh, told me about. Very, very funny. That is funny. 
Was there ever talk of including your film uh, with like the Flux Capacitor Blu-ray set? Yeah, so we did talk to Universal. Um, they were interested in, in putting us on the 30th anniversary release. Um, we were uh, we have a relationship with Steve Concatelli, the director of the Out of Time documentary. That's a documentary about the restoration of the DeLorean. And um, so we were kind of in talk to Universal at the same time. It just kind of didn't make sense for us. Uh, they were going to run a shorter version of the film. We probably didn't really have time to cut a second version. We were... You know, we were kind of down to the wire just cutting this. So um, it, it just uh, it wasn't really going to work for us. And we don't think, you know, I think it, it's probably better for us this way. Um, this way you're not forced to buy the Back to the Future 30th anniversary set to see our movie. Um, one of our main goals very early on was to make sure as many people as possible saw our documentary. And at the end of the day, we're going to be released on Netflix and Amazon, iTunes, uh, we're doing a theatrical we, tomorrow night. We have a premiere in, in, uh, in New York sponsored by Swagway, a uh, great company that we partnered with that makes the uh, two-wheel scooters that you just kind of lean forward and go. And uh, they sent us some of those. We've been playing with them around the office and shot a video today with them. So, I mean, it, it's just it's going to be everywhere, and that's what we wanted. That's what we wanted. Um, you know, and it's coming out on the same day. There's no holdback. So if you have Netflix and you're already paying for a subscription, you can go ahead and see our documentary on Wednesday. Not another cent out of pocket. And and that was that was big for us. Yeah, that, that's awesome. But I would still encourage you know any faithful fan to still go get the Blu-ray and add it to the collection. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, the artwork itself is amazing. So, uh, and I envy you for having that uh, license plate um, uh, framed and hung up in the office for for your daughter. Yeah, no, I have it. Is, it's in my office. Um, you know, it's funny. Originally, that was going to be a Kickstarter reward. Uh, it is the license plate that was on our poster, and. Uh, after we shot the poster image, we took it off, and Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox signed it, and we were going to put it on Kickstarter. But I said, I, I have to have that. Uh, you know, that that is a memory that you know I could kind of behind me. I could turn around, and look at it, you know, any day of the week, and uh, you know, special. Right. Um, the release of the movie was uh, the release date of Future Day, as uh, we know it as. Was that always the plan? Yeah. In fact, if you go back to our first Kickstarter. Uh, it's etched in stone because Kickstarter doesn't allow you to make any changes after a campaign. So everything that was there two years ago is there now. And uh, not only when, but where. We had said from the beginning that we would uh, we would do our big L.A. premiere at the We're Going Back Festival, which is happening this week in, uh, in L.A. And uh, Thursday morning in L.A., we will be there and uh, screening our film. That's amazing. Now, since you guys had like like a ticking clock, in a sense, did that put any kind of pressure on like, getting interviews and just getting it all wrapped up and uh, ready for, for this release? Yes and no. Early on, no, because we thought we had a lot of time. Uh, ironically, making a movie about time travel. But um, <laughs> uh, when we launched this thing in 2013, you know, it was two years away. That seemed like a lifetime. Um, but once the clock struck January 1st, 2015, everything went into hyper-overdrive. Uh, once we struck a deal with Gravitas, we never realized how much time was needed to uh, get the digital files ready and the Blu-rays ready and stuff like that. So then they put deadlines on us, and you know we got that film by X and X. So we hit a point where then time was not our friend uh, at all. But um, we we forged through it and uh, made all our deadlines. I, I think that you know, listen, um, I'm no Kickstarter fraud. I mean, you could, I back tons of projects on Kickstarter myself. Um, I love technology. I love buying gadgets and, and stuff like that on Kickstarter. And 
the most common theme on Kickstarter is that nothing ever comes out in time. It, they just don't. Um, things get delayed, production problems, whatever. And one of the things that I'm most proud of personally is that we're going to hit, you know, all of our, we're going to hit our release date. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a big deal. Right. And so early on when you uh, tore your ACL, that didn't slow down in production at all? No, the irony is that was actually before the project started. Uh, I, I tore my ACL the day, the day before we filmed at the Shays for our first Kickstarter video, and I didn't know it was torn. Um, I didn't have time to go get it checked out. It happened on a Sunday. We were going up to the Shays on a Monday, and I got in the car and sat in the car, and I drove most of those eight hours with a torn ACL the, on my driving foot, <laughs> my driving hmm. knee. So, um, but I didn't know. Uh, I filmed in a ton of pain and came back later that week. It was Friday of that week that I went and had it checked out, went to the uh, went to the emergency room, and they said, you have a torn ACL. And then what I did was we scheduled our first Kickstarter for the day after my surgery because I knew I'd be home. I knew I'd be in bed, and I'd have a lot of time to manage that Kickstarter campaign. So uh, there was, you know, I don't want to say it was good that I tore my ACL. It was terrible, in fact. The surgery ended up going all, going all wrong, and that first year afterwards was a major problem for me. But um, I mean, uh, it was all—I guess—it's all part of the history now. Now, um, during the the interviews, obviously, you've talked to uh, a lot of people from Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Steven Spielberg, uh, and you know, so on and so forth. Was there any conversation that like didn't make the film that? You know, at, at the moment of the conversation, you're like, I can't believe, you know, for example, I, I you talked to hockey with Michael J. Fox. Was yeah. there like any uh, other uh, conversations like that with anybody else where you're like, I can't believe I'm talking to Steven Spielberg about pizza, you know, or something like that? Yeah, um, a lot of that stuff was off camera, you know, because I think there's that moment where you realize, you know, they're just people and... Um, and it was certainly like that with Michael. I mean, he's a big hockey fan, and I'm a big hockey fan, and we talked about hockey. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff where, I mean, certainly for us, it's a huge deal. Uh, we can never quite, can't quite explain that, you know. And, and obviously the fans don't really get to feel that, but, you know, huge deal for us. And uh, I, I think what's great is that back in time's not over because we shot over 50 hours of interviews, and, we put we have a nice special features bonus features section on the Blu-ray, but um, there's so much more. And as time goes on and things calm down around here, I'll be able to you know cut some of that stuff together. And with the permission of those in it, um, we'd love to release that to fans and and or you know backers, Kickstarter backers, or whatever you know as time goes on. So uh, it's not dead yet. Perhaps a uh, back in time part two and part three. <laughs> that's been the that's been the joke around the office. Oh wow! It's not happening though. You could fi- you could file that away with Back to the Future Four. <laughs> oh right, right. Um, with Back to the Future, you know, again, no remakes or reboots are, are you know being talked about, and I feel like the uh, loyal fans they don't really want one. But do you have like a fantasy casting for like a Doc and a Marty if you were to do your own movie? Oh, um, let's see. My my favorite actor for Doc, and uh, I think a lot of people like this, but uh, I like Hugh Laurie from House to uh, play. Oh, Doc Brown. you know what? That's great. That's great. I, I House is one of the, you know, I don't watch a ton of television, but the series that I get into, I really get into, and House was one of those. Um, yeah. 
he would he would give a different twist to Doc, you know, a, a different take on it, and uh, I think that would be cool. I think that would work. Marty, young teenager, is just kind of lost. Uh, I kind of like the Anton Yelchin. He was in Charlie Bartlett, but people know him. He's a uh, was it Chekhov from the Star Trek movies? Yeah. Yeah, obviously uh, not with the curly hair. Got but. the look. Kind of got the look. Uh, wow, let's see. Uh, I mean, uh, like Daniel Daniel Radcliffe, maybe. That I think he could work. Maybe an older Marty. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he plays young, you know? Yeah, yeah. A young Leonardo DiCaprio, maybe. Right. Um, uh, Andrew Garfield? A couple yeah, of years I ago, buy that. yeah. A couple of years ago, I think any of those guys. See, that's the thing. You know, if we have this conversation to really flesh it out, you could probably come up with a Doc and Marty that are different enough from Doc and Marty, where you'd actually, if you not made a Back to the Future four, but a remake, a new Back to the Future, mm-hmm. where it would be different enough. Um, for me, the question always was though, would it be better? And uh, I don't think it can be. No, no, I, I, I just really appreciate all like the the fan stuff I'm finding online and uh, all these others that are you know paying homages to it. Yeah, I mean I've seen I've seen cool, uh, cool stuff in the last few weeks. Uh, the funniest thing, I don't even remember what it was, but somebody posted something and wrote something to the effect of, um, "It's funny that I saw this. I know the new documentary Back in Time is coming out, but this is." a documentary by the fans, about the fans, for the fans. And I saw that, and I just started laughing, because that, that is what Back in Time is. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so it's uh, it's just, it's, it's great. You know, I think it's, it's, it's great how good the fandom is. And it's very different than, like, Star Trek and Star Wars fandom, where, you know, there's a little more infighting in the fan communities. And you don't have that with Back to the Future. Everyone just kind of gets along and it's it's great yeah i think it's definitely a different um set of fandom because when i tell people how big of a fan i am with back to the future i say well that's my star wars the biggest difference is back to the future is a little bit more realistic aside from the time traveling you know it's it's just a more real world star trek and star wars are fantasy you know they're spaceships and flying hovercrafts and aliens and stuff it's a little, a little different you know, Christopher Lloyd said that to me, and it's not in the documentary, but it was during the interview. Um, I said, why do you think Back to the Future works so well and it's so beloved around the world? Uh, and his answer to me was, well, there are no alien wars. Uh, that was that was the first <laughs> thing that he said. I mean, it's, you know. Oh, wow. I, I promise I didn't get that from anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't put it in the doc, so you couldn't have known. Now, okay, so something I stumbled upon, I think, last year that uh, I got really excited when I heard you mention this, but you were able to go to uh, Secret Cinema in uh, in London. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, can you tell the listeners a little bit about that for those that haven't seen the clip on YouTube? Um, so, yeah, so they uh, they basically turned uh, this area in the eastern end of London where the Olympics were into Hill Valley, and um, it was I mean, truly, truly fascinating. They, uh, you came dressed in a 50s costume, and every store in Hill Valley was a working store. You can go inside and experience it a little bit. And then after it got dark, they screened the movie on the side of the clock tower, uh, this massive clock tower facade that they had built. 
uh, amazing event. And, and during the movie, it was like the Rocky Horror Picture Show where they were reenacting things right in front of you as they were going on on screen. So really, really cool. Do you think that um, the U.S. will eventually have something like that? They said they're going to come to California next year, so we'll see. You're kidding me. Wow, that's news to me. Yeah, yeah. I need to, I need to start saving soon then. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and, and it's, worth, uh, it's worth the trip. Yeah, that, that experience alone. Um, oh, that, gosh, that's amazing. Did you uh, get a chance to talk to – oh, actually, I think you did uh, – the, the people over at the Hill Valley Preservation Society? Yeah, we met them, uh, not for the documentary, uh, but we met them in London when, when we went, uh, went to the London Film and Comic Con, and um, they were there, they had a booth there, so we had a chance to finally meet them, and really cool, fun people, and I uh, love what they're doing uh, as well, you know, in terms of prop collection and stuff, it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, aside from, like, uh, autographed scripts and things like that, do you have any, like, Back to the Future toys? Um, so I've gotten a lot of them for free, so thanks to everyone who sent them to me. Um, I, have, uh, I have a hoverboard replica and Marty's shoes. I have uh, the one, I believe they're one eighteenth scale DeLorean, two of those. Um, I, have, I basically have every size DeLorean. I have the, uh, the Hot Wheels Elite DeLorean, big and small, um, the different small ones and the big one. That's, that's, that card is amazing. That one I have on my desk. It's, like, very... Very detailed, not quite screen accurate, but a great replica. I have the DeLorean Legos from our first Kickstarter. I have a flux capacitor. I have a uh, Mr. Fusion, uh, both on my desk, and and some really unique signed things that you just can't get anywhere else. So you must have a really large desk for all those toys. <laughs> uh, I have them on multiple desks all throughout my office. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the Marty and Doc top vinyl figures; those are on my desk too. <laughs> I just got those, and uh, right before I ran upstairs, I noticed my wife put a uh, box that I ordered uh, in my office, and it's the uh, Monopoly that I, uh, that just came out. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a terrible person because I don't give these things to my kids at all. They're <laughs> daddy's toys. But um, a good friend of mine gave me a Pop Marty with the, with the DeLorean as a gift, so I was actually able to keep that at home since I already had one, and my kids play with that. So, so I got so my cool. Yeah, I still have that in a box. Um, I, I'm kind of the same way. So, but you, you, when the kids get to our age, they'll understand. But um, yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> I also, I used, to, I used to be very into in the box. I have a ton of um, McFarland sports figures, and I always kept them in the packaging because you know they're worth more. Um, but then I realized that McFarland sports figures are much cooler out of the packaging. Yeah, uh, on display. So I have a huge display on one of my bookshelves in my office and once i once i took the plunge and cut those open that's it now i don't keep anything in the box um i have uh, the delorean legos are still in the box uh number one because mm-hmm. i probably didn't feel like building them but they were from our first kickstarter campaign so uh they're signed by joe walter and terry vitalis who led the delorean restoration uh and signed mm-hmm. by me although i don't really need my own autograph but um <laughs> it was just a, it was just a cool thing so i kept that and they were numbered one to fifty, and I have number one. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah, so I, that that's in the box. But other than that, uh, everything's out. All my DeLorean toys are out. Back to the shows are out. Um, and then I framed all the autograph stuff. I uh, got some really cool uh, framing work done, and uh, I have all that stuff in there. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'm here in Portland, Oregon, and uh, Nike is basically in my backyard. So. Um, 
Do you, have you heard of any big plans with Nike with the uh, the the shoes coming out? As far as we know, not going to happen. Oh, really? Hmm. If it happened, it would be a huge surprise, even to people in the know. So that's all I can tell you there. So after after October twenty first, what what happens? You know, because I think a lot of us have been waiting for this date for twenty six years. Twenty six years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what happens think, after after Wednesday? Listen, Back to the Future never goes away. It's, it's too good a movie, too good a trilogy. Um, the the harsh realities are that it's probably going to die out a little bit. I mean, it, it's been built up so much to get to this point that how could it keep going on this pace? Uh, that mm-hmm. would be nuts. So I, I think it will die out a little bit. But uh, Back to the Future never dies. Never goes away. No. Gonna, no it'll slow down for a little bit, and, and then there's going to be a new, you know, a new uh, anniversary or something like that, and it'll come back. Now, you're uh, also associated with the um, the tour that's going on, the Back in Time tour with the, the Flex Capacitors? Yeah. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so the idea is that we just travel to uh, 13 cities across the United States, and... Um, screen the film, Fox Capacitors play uh, the show for the night, and uh, and away we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that there were no uh, uh, appearances in the Pacific Northwest. Was there, uh, how were the cities chosen? So, um, a lot of it was just basic, you know, the, the tour is being done in a bus. So, we kind of looked at the bus and said, um, you know, where where can we go? What makes logical sense? Uh, who's from where? That sort of thing. Um, so it was, that was really it. I mean, there's nothing really beyond that. For Back in Time, did you guys do any coverage on the uh, animated series? No, we really didn't get into it much. It came up a little bit in interviews, but that was really it. Yeah, so I, I'm actually pretty excited for for the release, obviously, since on I'm the you know, there, do, do right? the other yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a cool. That's a really cool piece. Um, you know, again, it, it was it was a way. I think when it was made, it was a way to keep Back to the Future alive without, you know, having to bastardize it and, and sort of go back to the well one more time. Right. Do you like trivia? Sure. I have some questions, and uh, I kind of want to see how you you do with these here and take your time it's not like a rapid fire or anything like that <laughs> okay so with doc preparing uh in in the first movie when he goes to 1955 he puts the suitcase into the delorean can you name two items that was in that suitcase the hair dryer um what else oh wasn't there there's was playboy there's Playboy, yeah. The future's looking a whole lot, <laughs> a whole lot brighter. A whole lot brighter, yeah. And that's one of the deleted yeah. scenes, of course. That's right. Um, and it, explain, it explains uh, why the hell Marty had a hair dryer in George's. <laughs> exactly, George's exactly. Now, in part two, the uh, the scene where Lorraine, you know, uh, hydrates a pizza. What were the toppings on the pizza? Pepperoni and green peppers. All right. It's two for two. Nice. Okay. In the same movie, part two, what floor did Marty wake up on in the alternate 1985? Ooh, is it the 72nd? 
40 Very seconds? close. The 27th. 27th. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I thought that it was like 37 or 47, but it's 27. It made me kind of think, like, it's not as big as I thought it would be then. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's a huge tower, and then it's like, that's why you got, you got 72nd. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, n- can you name Biff's goons? No. <laughs> not even one? I know one? one of them. Okay. Uh, meeting in real life. Uh, Dean Logan, Ricky Dean Logan, part of the Hoverboard Gang. Right, um, right. From part two, he's a musician now. Mm-hmm. I can, I can visualize them. I mean, I can see them clear as day. You know, and he knocks out Marty. He said, "We can do this the easy way or the hard way." But I have no idea what their names were. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, so Billy Zane, he was um, matched. Well, Billy Zane, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, because he's uh, obviously one of those. That that's a piece of trivia, you know. What was Billy Zane's uh, one of his first movies? Three uh, D was one of them. That's the, the, the Casey, right? Casey, I forgot his last name. And yeah, and then uh, yeah. Um, J J Cohen was um was it, is that right? J J Cohen is that one of the other ones he uh, played skinhead? Um yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I thought these would get a little bit harder. Um, so with Biff's goons, I, I asked what was Griff's goons. So th- that one, uh, I. Maybe I'll drop. Oh well, that, yeah, that's where we, that's where we get uh, Ricky Dean Logan and uh, Jason Scott Lee. And then you had, um, hmm, I know you have the you have the girl. Mm-hmm. What's what's wrong, McFly? You got no scrot? Yeah. Uh, who else is in there? Jason Scott Lee from uh, the the Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I suck with names, by the way, which is why oh, you ask questions okay. like. No way. Yeah. Never going to happen. Visually, I could see them clear as day. Right, and of course, right. like when you meet somebody, you know, then you remember them forever, so. All right. This one is, um, I, I think you'll get this one. What was George McFly's middle name? Ooh, found his book. Um, hmm. Is it, uh. It was on the tombstone. Douglas? It is Douglas. Yeah, look at you. Douglas, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, this one I, I didn't have down, but do you happen to know Marty's middle name? The, now, this I only learned because of the um, the animated series. Huh. Do you want to guess? Was it in the movie? Um, it was not mentioned, but if you might be able to guess if you really think about like some of his ancestors in some of the sequels. So would it be Seamus? It is, is it Marty Seamus. Seamus it is. Yeah. I, I, you gave me a good clue. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Last question for you here. What years does the Gray Sports Almanac cover? Uh, it goes to 2000. Is it 50 to 2000? It is 50 to 2000. Awesome. Yeah, I do 50 years, yeah. Ah, see, so if I knew you sucked with names, I, I probably wouldn't have had those on there. <laughs> I wanted to make sure you you got them all. So. That's, that's like, that's in life. That's, uh, that's like in life for me. I mean, I'm so bad with names i have no idea why um and numbers like you know the the sports almanac thing is like right at the tip of my tongue like numbers like no problem yeah but, uh i'm the worst with names <laughs> that that one i actually got from my from my son uh prior to the recording because he's uh he's, he's a fan too obviously he's the co-host of the show and i asked him what's a good trivia you know from the series he goes the years the almanac covers i'm like wow look at you <laughs> i'm proud <laughs> i 
And I think on the cover it says uh, it says like fifty years of sports history or something. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I guess you, you just got to know when it when it ends or at least when it starts, and you probably figure that one out. Yeah, and I rem- I remember two thousand, which made logical sense for you know kind of a book like that, right? Right, right. Um, what are your thoughts on the uh, the Cubs doing so well this year? You know, it's ironic. Uh, we were trying to plan a screening in Chicago next week just because of of what's going on and and the, the Chicago fan reaction. Um, I'm from New York, so I'm a little bit. Tor- I'm not a Mets fan. I have to be a Yankees fan. So I'm a little bit torn because you know, if this was any other team, you know, if the Mets make it to the World Series, I- I'd certainly root for them as a New Yorker. Uh, I think it's you know, it's a great thing. But I kind of want this Back to the Future prediction to come to- it's come true. Of course, you know, as we speak now, the Cubs are in dire straits, losing uh, the first two games of the series to the Mets. But and I've said this to Bob Gale. We've discussed it. If the Cubs win the World Series. Bob Gale will be the most prophetic uh, sports handicapper in the history of sports. Right. How could you top a prediction where you predict the team is going to win a World Series 26 years earlier and you pick the team that hasn't won the World Series in the longest time of any team? Right. So it's not like you picked the Yankees to win. He picked the Cubs who the last World Series came in 1908. Right. Um, and, and the irony, for those that don't know, is that the joke, uh, Bob Gale's a huge Cardinals fan, and the Cubs are a rival of the Cardinals, and uh, the joke was that, ah, the Cubs would never win the World Series, and that's why he put it in the movie. Right. Uh, so even when I interviewed Bob this year, uh, we talked about it, and we didn't put it in our movie because we knew it would end up being dated um, shortly after the release of our movie, or even by the, you know, had the Cubs not made the playoffs, it would be dated already. But, um, you know, Bob said to us in the interview on camera, he said, well, the Cubs are never going to win the World Series. Sorry, Chicago. Yeah, that's funny. Do you, I'm, again, kind of putting you on the spot here, would you be able to give like uh, five of your favorite moments from the second Back to the Future movie? Because that one's your favorite, right? Yeah, it is. Two is definitely my favorite. Um, I think number one is just the entire concept of the sports almanac. As a big sports fan, um, I love that. Uh, I love when when Biff starts to disappear when he returns to DeLorean, it makes you think about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's definitely a big moment. The backstage at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance, um, and Adam Contras, one of the people in our movies, talks about that in our movie, but how, you know, he talks about in general about going back into another movie. So the entire Enchantment Under the Sea dance, how they're sort of two is in one, really, and they had to reshoot the whole thing. But right there backstage where you have, um, you know, the alternate Marty climbing across the rafters to knock out this gang to make sure that they don't get Marty coming off stage and, uh, and they drop the sandbags on him and then Marty walks outside and the door hits him in the face, you know. <laughs> and um, that was that part so, so, so well done. Uh, the hoverboard scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, number five, let's see, I only get one more here. Well, you know what? Because uh, I'm looking at it on my desk right now, Pepsi Perfect. Oh, you got um, one already, huh? Yeah, well, we we gave out 500 of them. Oh, was this at the, so, uh, the New we, York Comic Con? Yeah, so uh, Pepsi contacted us. They wanted us to be a part of their activation. And, um, I mean, what an honor, but uh, it was a huge surprise. Nobody in the room knew. They only let 500 people into our panel. Uh, they actually had to cut off the, the, the audience at 500. And we did our entire panel just like we do it at any other Comic-Con. 
And then we had a whole scripted thing at the end where uh, we told a fan that we had original Pepsi Perfect from Back to the Future Part 2, and a fan came up and drank it, thinking it was that Pepsi. Um, we then revealed to the audience that it wasn't, that it was brand-new Pepsi that we had put in the glass right before the battle started. And um, then we held up the Pepsi Perfects, and we said, well, we have three of them. And the audience, like, they got crazy because they thought three people were going to get one. And we had to sit everybody back down because it was getting crazy in the room. And I said, uh, guys, I feel like Oprah because you're all getting one. You're all getting a Pepsi. And uh, then they revealed the back of the room, a bunch of tables that had been covered before they came in. They are filled with Pepsi Perfect. So um, of the uh, 1,500 that they had at Comic-Con, we gave out 500 at our panel on Thursday right when Comic-Con opened. It was great. Oh, that must have been an amazing feeling to be able to do that for the fans. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool that Pepsi would like call on. Uh, you know, they could have had. You know, they could have called. Uh, you know, Claudia Wells or or Christopher Lloyd or whoever to come out and do that. But uh, they chose to kind of, you know, mask it in in our panel. That, that they gave. I mean, it was it was great. It was live streamed. So it's actually, still, if you go to the uh, archives of the live stream of New York Comic Con, it's the first video because our panel like opened Comic Con. So also, it's the last video <laughs> chronologically. Right. Um, back to the film a little bit. I, I didn't uh, look thoroughly through the list, but did you um, – so you had an interview with Adam Goldberg. Right. And did you also do one with uh, Seth MacFarlane? Yeah, Seth, um, Seth agreed to do an interview, but he was shooting Ted 2, and it was crazy. And then uh, finally said, can I do it in August? Um, and we said, oh, you know, we can't because we have to – the film has to be locked before then. And uh, so we didn't get an opportunity to interview him. But – he would have been a phenomenal interview because he's such a big Back to the Future fan, yet, you know, he's kind of, I mean, he's ridiculously famous. It would have been it would have been a, a really sort of fun, different interview. So I'm sad we didn't get to do it, but uh, he agreed to do it for us. So. Did you watch the uh, How Million Ways to Die in the Old West? Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I, I, I can't promise I would have seen it. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Somebody told me that there's the uh, well. I think it was in the commercial. It was. Uh, it was. The, yeah. So. I, I think uh, that's that pretty cool. That's the reason I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. It was. It's always fun to see. Uh, you know, to see Doc uh, suit back up. You know. Yeah, that, that's pretty amazing. Um, anything that hasn't been released yet that you're really looking forward to? I mean, just the film. I, I, I'm just dying for people to get their hands on it and, and just see it. I mean. We've been so blessed to, to have so many positive, uh, you know, so much positive feedback about what we're doing. But now I just want people to see it and have that feedback about film itself. Yeah, the, um, my co-host on the uh, Back to the Future animated series podcast, we uh, we will be reviewing it um, after it comes out. So we're both looking forward to watching that film. Awesome! I had. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> no, I, I, we're, we're, we're both huge fans. Um, of the eight episodes we've already recorded, just we're, we're always constantly throwing out references from, you know, from the movies or, or dropping lines, you know, as answers uh, from the movies. So we're, we're having a good time with that. And uh, it's funny because we did re- record. Let's see, our fourth episode we recorded was a couple months ago, and it actually came up. You know, we were talking about back in time. Hey, did you see the trailer? So that was all recorded. And um, uh, coincidentally, it was right after I got the email from um, from your assistant, I believe it is, you know, saying that you agreed to to speak with me. So I'm like, uh, you know, it's just it was just a 
uh, density has brought brought me to you. You know, so the, <laughs> you know, we're I'm listening to the to the edit of this episode. We're talking about back in time. Here I am. I just got the email with you coming on the show. So it was just um, I was on cloud nine. You know, for lack of a better word, it was just an amazing feeling for me. Um, probably how you felt sitting in front of all the uh, the cast. For, you know, while you're interviewing them. Yeah, very surreal. It's just, oh, so I'm sitting here having a conversation with Michael J. Fox. All right, okay. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, exactly. You know, I want to thank you again and appreciate you uh, spending the time to talk to me. Awesome. It's a pleasure being here. I would like to again thank Mr. Jason Aaron for joining me and giving me the opportunity to kind of pick his brain. If you want to find out more information on his film, Back in Time, you can visit the website backintimefilm.com. On there, you also got a lot of bonus footages of some behind-the-scenes. You can also order his film from the site, or you can even buy it wherever movies are sold and also on demand online. If you would like to give us a follow on social media, we are on Instagram and Twitter at HLF Podcast. You can email into the show at hlfpodcast at gmail.com. You can find our content and, among others, at the Following Films Podcast Network at followingfilms.com. You can find shows such as Pop Culture Case Studies, War Machine vs. War Horse, True Bromance Film Podcasts, Original Remake, and Following Films Podcasts. Give us a like on our Facebook page so that you can keep up with some of my other shows, such as Back to the Future, the Animated Series Podcast, and also We Got Five. So until the next episode, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level 4. We were sitting in the theater, waiting for the Royals to come in, and I realized that the seat next to me is empty, and then it dawns on me that Princess Diana is going to be sitting next to me. The movie starts, and it occurs to me that I'm like, like a fake yawn and an arm stretch away from being on a date with the Princess of Wales. visiting my parents over the summer of 1980, came across my father's high school yearbook. My father had gone to the same high school that I went to. And I'm thinking, if I'd gone to high school with my dad, would I have been friends with him? It really is, for me, and arguably the greatest time travel movie ever put on film. If we would have done something different at one moment, would it have changed our whole lives for the better? I think it's the best thing that I've ever written. I mean, along with Bob, of course. Zemeckis and Gale really found lightning in a bottle. You probably have one of those in you in a lifetime. Lightning in a bottle tends to stick around for a long time. Universal put us in touch with a product placement company. They said to me, if you change the DeLorean to a Ford Mustang, you'll get $75,000. And I looked this guy straight in the eye and I said, Doc Brown doesn't drive a Mustang. Back to the Future knows no boundaries within a certain country. It's worldwide. It reaches everyone. It has such resonance with what we're trying to do with Secret Cinema. You can be anyone you want to be and you can do anything you want to do. They want to be Marty McFly. They want to travel back to the future. They want to fall in love with their mother. I'm joking. I actually kind of connected a little bit with George McFly. He's a guy that was an outcast. He had big dreams. He had big goals of being this person that no one else thought that he could be. Here's this iconic piece of so many people's childhoods just sitting there falling apart and rotting. Something's got to be done about this. Let's restore it. I'll do it. It's great to have a bunch of lunatics on your side. We maxed out that card on a DeLorean. What are they doing with that car? They drive around the country working for Michael J. Fox's charity. They're crazy, but they're crazy good. It was the right thing to do. Life has taken us places we really never knew it would take us. And that's what Back to the Future is about. 
redefines the taste of butter popcorn. And of course, we picked the right song. <laughs>